Welcome to Tits Up. When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. Our sponsor for this episode of Tits Up is Designer Bums. Gorgeous, hand-illustrated, modern, reusable cloth nappies. But I've also Mm. seen you mention mum guilt in your Mm -hmm. Instagram feed, so let's go there. We're expected to mother as if we don't work and work as if we don't have children. So the most uh, of the of the parental, yeah, load, which the is a load, lot. The mental yes. load. Yes. She looks like she's got it all together. I don't. I'm a shit mum. So, yeah, there is that, you know, comparisonitis that comes into it as well. But, you know, yeah. it's nothing to do with you, what I do with my boobs and my kids. Um, yes. But, you know, on social media, you've done a cop a lot more than that and you're not going to be able to give those silly answers yeah. immediately when it happens. Put judgment and, and shame another mother when you know yourself how bloody hard it is. That's good. So a bit of self-compassion instead of self-criticism. Um, and she came into me and said, Mummy, this tastes yucky. Oh, and of course my... Scary. They definitely keep you on your toes. Hi, welcome to Tits Up. Today I'm discussing mum guilt with ex-neighbour star Geordie Lucas and she's the host of the podcast It's All Her and she's on a mission to make life simpler for women. Geordie's also mother to daughter Evie, a businesswoman and wife who has a strong interest in fashion, lifestyle, women's issues and beauty. Welcome Geordie, it's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on. It's nice to be a guest instead of a host for once. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. 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 Much less thinking for you in some, yeah. well, in some ways, but you're on. Yeah. <laughs> you're on. Now, you share a lot about motherhood and beautiful wee Evie, and you obviously have a lovely, lovely bond with her, but I've also mm. seen you mention mum guilt in your mm-hmm. Instagram feed. So let's go there. What triggers mum guilt for you? Oh, I think if we want to go really deep and psychological, I think it it stems back to uh, my childhood. I was an extremely anxious little girl who uh, suffered really bad separation anxiety from my parents and I really didn't cope being away from them and therefore my parents didn't really get a break. Um, But Somehow I have birthed a headstrong, confident, independent young girl uh, who thrives. And uh, I do get the mum guilt when I'm off doing my own thing because I worry that she will be stressing like I used to when I was a little girl. Um, So I guess that's the real psychological, um, my own self-assessment and diagnosis of it. But I think it, it is just, it comes with being a mother because we do spread ourselves now these days between our work and being mothers and we're expected to mother as if we don't work and work as if we don't have children. So I think there's bound to be a sense of guilt or, or questioning whether we are getting the balance right. Yeah, and I guess it comes down to what your values are and, you know, all that self-image is what a good mother is and mm. Mm, and what do you see as the big pressures for mums right now? Look, I think 
with a lot of uh, households, we're in an economy at the moment where one income isn't enough like it, it used to be. Gone are the days where dad just goes out and, and makes the sole income and that's enough for the family. We're living in a in a society where, you know, women do mostly need to contribute um, financially now because the cost of living is so high. So, and, and it, just, it just basically comes down to as well, our kids when they're young, most of them will gravitate to mum. So most of the the parental load and the the mental burden of parenting will fall on mum. So we're now expected to contribute financially whilst bearing the most of the most uh of the of the parental yeah load which the is a load, lot the mental yes yeah who needs new shoes <laughs> yeah who, who needs to go to the dentist who's due yep. for vaccinations like it's it, it still all pretty much falls on on mum's shoulders and I think that's why there is so much of a push-pull with mums these days because often we're we're wearing so many hats and you're stressed and you're tired and you're trying to do it all and think it all and, yeah, organise it all kind of thing. And, yeah, and it's all very well to say equal partners, but it can be different, you know. And, mm. and also we have, this is the first generation of women who've, well, I guess, no, hang on, my generation did work, but generally part-time, generally yeah. it was the mother role. So, yeah, um, do, you, do you feel that being a mother's harder than it was perhaps for your own mother's generation, I mean, which would be my generation too. And do you think, or do you think women are just talking about more about how they feel or are the expectations I think, I think we're definitely, yeah, I think the dialogue has definitely opened up. I think that women would have struggled, you know, every generation there's women that are going to mm. perhaps step into motherhood easier than others. Um I think social media, there are blessings and curses that come with social media. I think a lot of mums feel more connected than ever before. I have connected with lots of mums on my platform where, you know, I've never met these women, but we talk about our kids and there's a real sense of comfort and community there. But then there's also the flip side of social media where you're seeing, you know, women talk about, their wins and you might see them have a win at something and think god that didn't work out for me am I a shit mom or god she looks like she's got it all together I don't I'm a shit mom um so yeah there is that you know comparisonitis that comes into it as well but I I have really found a sense of community with my with my social media and yeah I've got mums who I've never met but we talk really openly about our experience and that's something that uh, past generations haven't had and perhaps would have benefited by? Probably, although I do remember, you know, talking to the neighbours who were home with their children or the playgroup mums or whatever, so we had more face-to-face. But, of course, we've had a pandemic and we haven't had the face-to-face, especially yeah, in Melbourne I mean, yeah. where we are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, things like maternal child health nurses are now, I think, pretty much a thing of the past beyond eight or 12 weeks or something in Victoria, at least I'm, I'm pretty sure mm. that's the case, which, you know, that's a, that was a huge support for me. And um, my breastfeeding journey was, was really um, positively impacted by my maternal child health nurse. So there's, there's things that are being taken away from the pandemic, um, you know, that we're losing these really valuable resources. Mm. Well, Evie was, she would have been a pandemic baby, a lockdown baby, wouldn't she? 
She was, so we had just returned from the UK. She was four or five months old and my my husband is, is British. So we had just returned from the UK. We touched into uh, Melbourne just as people were starting to wear masks in the airport and we both looked at each other and just thought, oh, my God. People it's are so dramatic. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh. No, we. It was still at that time where we just never thought it was going to happen. Gonna like happen. we just thought right. people were being ridiculous. And then, sure enough, a few months later, we were in lockdown. And yeah, from about five, six months of age, Evie had no contact with with anybody. Um, you know, we were lucky in the sense that we were able to continue with her being looked after by my parents because I was working, but then when essential workers, it was just, you know, mm-hmm. constantly being, uh, you know, taken away from us, that support. So, yeah, it was really difficult. Mm. So having those other supports, face-to-face supports is important and having face-to-face mum groups. So people have got used to a different thing. But the downside of the whole social media thing is once upon a time, it was just the old lady in the supermarket saying, oh, your baby really needs some socks on or, yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. And now you've got millions and millions of people who have an opinion. And, yeah. you know, I, and I think, you know, mum guilt's probably always been present, um, mm. but the standards seem so much higher now than, say, for, you know, your mum's generation, my generation. Um, you know, it used to be those little old ladies giving you two cents worth in the supermarket. I actually had a lady come up. You know, if you were a brand new mum, you could feel pretty awful about it. But I oh, actually had, yeah. I swapped kids with a friend one day. Um, you know, and we often used to do that. She had a uh, daughter and my son were the same age, my first kid. And so they mm. were about four or five. And I had the two toddlers and I went to the fruit shop and I had her little one in about 80 months old. I might have been over two because he was quite a large child for his age. And he was in the trolley and my kid was sort of running around grabbing fruit. And some woman yeah. in the neighbourhood just, you know, we were actually in New Zealand, so it was a small community. And this yeah. woman came up to me and said, are you still breastfeeding him? And I just looked at her and said, oh, no, actually my friend breastfeeds this one. Like it was my friend's child, so of course yeah. she breastfed him, I didn't. But this woman looked at me, her mouth was so wide open. She didn't even know it wasn't my child. That's how well she knew yeah. me. I thought, oh, stuff off. You know, yeah. it's nothing to do with you, what I do with my boobs and my kids. Um, yes. But, you know, on social media, you're going to cop a lot more than that and you're not going to be able to give those silly answers yeah. immediately when it happens. You know, you'll come back onto your feed and think, oh, my God, they're all attacking me because I did something they don't agree with. Yeah. And I think as mums as well, we're our own worst critic and mm. we're all really hard on ourselves. Why would you then, you know, put judgment and, and shame another mother when you know yourself how bloody hard it is? I just don't, I will never understand mm. women, women who do that. It's just, yeah, mind-blowing to well, me can pro- that you would take wouldn't. the time. Yeah. They probably wouldn't do it to your face either. They probably oh, no. have that extra bravery because they can be pretty much anonymous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could say a lot about these these women. I just, it is truly baffling to me that they would, um, you know, take the time. And it, it sounds cliched, but I really think it does come down to, you know, what kind of life are they living that, yeah, that they have the time have or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, they're hurting or they're who's... lonely or something or they're trying to gather their own tribe somehow or whatever. Well, someone yeah. who's thriving and, and living a really great life isn't going to take the time or going to have the time to, you know, sit and be a bitch online. It's just, yeah. 
and they shouldn't be worried about what you're doing. You know, they should just look in the mirror, go and play with your kids. (laughs) I mean, as long as you're not hurting your child knowingly, I don't think we can judge anyone on their parenting choices. I've never seen a mother who wasn't doing her best. Yeah. Whatever that is. I mean, there's obviously a spectrum of what's the good mother and what we each think is a good mother and what you've been Mm. exposed to, how you've grown up, what resources you've got, what support you've got. Yeah. All those things come into it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, you can find a community and you can be really happy with that community. Um, Yeah. So all that crap. Yeah. So do you have any strategies to ditch or at least dial down the mum guilt? I often remind myself that she is a really happy kid and I'm obviously doing something right because she's really, really, really happy. Like everyone says that, that you know, I get messages that about her smile and how happy she is and people that meet her say she's so happy. So I just, I often remind myself of that. And then I often remind myself that my work fulfills me and having uh, something that fulfills me is important for her to see as well. It's important for her to have a happy, fulfilled mum. So I remind myself of that as well. That's good. So a bit of self-compassion instead of self-criticism. Yeah, yeah. And look, this is this is work that I've done with therapists and psychologists and things like that. So it's not that's right. not me, you know. <laughs> pretty, um, pretty good though. And if you and the thing yeah. is too, I think we have this stigma about getting support from therapists or professionals. And I think it's important if we need it to do it. Mm. I mean, I have said it before, I think everybody should go to therapy at some stage because you know, no one is going to come out of this life unscathed. Um, we've mm. all got things that affect us and, you know, sometimes things affect us more than we realise as well until we talk about them. And I think the most valuable thing is having someone that's external to your life, um, you know, weigh in or give you some some coping mechanisms or advice and someone who's just trained and studied the human brain and knows how, how we work. I think it's just so important and I have absolutely no shame at all in telling people that I often seek help, uh, professional help for my mental I think health. That's a, that's a real strength. I've actually got a daughter who's a psychologist and I just think. Oh, that, really? Yeah, yeah. Mum, don't put so many things on your list. I, don't, I wouldn't go to yeah. her for therapy and she wouldn't have me for therapy. That would be unethical. <laughs> and she probably talks to me a whole lot harsher than she would have her normal client. Her yeah. normal client is just, Mum, you've got too many things on your list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is true because, you know, I'm that kind of person that my head goes faster than my hands can go. You know, I'm thinking mm. I can do this and this and this. And then I go, oh, maybe I Hold can't. On. Or maybe I'll crash tomorrow. You know, I'll crash with some sort of physical illness or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's not, it, which is actually a triggered by the mental state that you're overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to have someone that can keep you in check with that or even just having you know, uh, someone that you just regularly see to, yeah, just, you know, you can offload your thoughts and things that are going on in your life. I think it's very important. Mm. And for some people it'll be like, you know, Paul Hogan, don't you have any mates? There might be a good friend that knows you really mm. well that might be able to, you know, and, and often your friends, when you're really honest with your friends, not your social media friends, but your real, real friends, 
you know, I, one of my daughters was going through a bit of a stage and she stormed out of the, or stormed past us, you know, with her little marching <laughs> demeanor yeah. on. And I just looked at this friend I was having a cup of tea with and I said, where did I get that one from? And she looked at me absolutely <laughs> bewildered and said, she's just like her mother. Yeah. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, listening to our friends and having that one-on-one support is good, but I, I don't think there's any shame in seeing a therapist for yourself or for your children. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, they'll give you strategies for helping with your child too. So yeah. all of that's great. Um yeah, I think with guilt, though, I think it can be helpful to sort guilt into good guilt and bad guilt. You know, like yeah. good guilt's acknowledging that we perhaps could have made different choices or we might need to learn more or we might need some support. And then mm. the bad guilt's just shame that beating up on ourselves and it's not helpful, you know, it's it's just quite negative. And we can get in this big spiral about guilt too. I think some women get into quite a spiral about guilt and start feeling that, you know, my child would be better off if I wasn't around her. Yeah. And I think that's a dangerous way of thinking. And mm. if you pro- if you do have those thoughts, you probably do need to seek some professional help. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there is different, different groups of, of guilt. I, I really think though, the main, the main, a uh, bit of guilt that I see and I talk to my community about is just the guilt of doing things for yourself um, and things but that yes, I fill mothers, your cup. Yeah, but I think mothers have been conditioned to be the giver. Oh, not, definitely. You know, for, for generations and our own mothers have modelled that. Yeah. You know, when, what did they ever do for themselves? I mean, they mm. might have gone and had a haircut, but not much more. Yeah. Mm. And the, the the need to sort of, you know, and it is so different. Like when mum goes out, everyone says, oh, is dad babysitting? And it's like, no, dad's looking after his his, his children. But, children. But no one ever says to the dad, oh, and, and why don't we question men as well? No one ever questions men of like, oh, how do you juggle it all? How do you deal with dad guilt? No one ever asks these questions of them. I actually asked that when I wrote the first edition of my book, Parenting by Heart, and mm. My kids are quite a lot younger then. I mean, I've done another edition and it's not quite as um, it's different. But when I first did that, I actually asked dads, I asked dads on the school run, I asked dads on the footy team, you know, tell me about dad guilt. And they looked yeah. at me like I was from the moon. And yeah. no, I don't have any. And one dad I knew that travelled a lot with his work, as my mm. husband did, you know, he wasn't home with the kids. And I was running like a single wife, not, not like a single mother because you know, all kudos to mums who do it on their own. But, you know, yeah. a large part of the time I was the only captain of the ship and he was overseas working and I said to this guy, you know, but what about when, and I think Steve Bidoff had come out, you know, about the importance of fathers. And I said, does any of this make you feel like you wish you could do it differently? No, because yeah. when I'm home, I'm, re- I'm present. And I, used, and I a woman would not do that. You know, no. a mum who was travelling overseas for three weeks out of four yeah. would have some sort of, you know, you'd have your heartstrings. Guilt. 
Yeah. Totally. But I think also if you if you really look deep down, and if I really look deep down, I would never in a million years question a man who is really career-driven and wants to, to go to the top and blah, 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 blah. But if a mother of three, there's that part of me that's like, oh, what about her kids? Like, what? Mm. And that is just an internal uh, thing that we have to unlearn and, and um, you know, because, yeah, we just don't question men in the way that we we question women. No, no. And I also think too, chemically and hormonally, we are different anyway. I mean, you give birth to this baby, you grow the baby, give birth to them. And by the time that baby's born, your pituitary, that little gland, basically your brain is double its normal size. So it's churning out this whole mummy margarita of protectiveness around the baby. And it takes a long time for that to, you know, they say it goes back to normal about six months, but what the hell is normal? It's not normal like before you had a child. No. Oh, you are completely a different, a different person. I, mm. uh, I, and that has caused a lot of guilt for me with my husband. I often apologize that I, you know, I'm not as, I don't feel as fun as I was anymore. I'm, I'm, I am a different person than I was. I've changed so much since becoming a mum, and that causes guilt in other areas of your life as well. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, because I suppose you're, you're told, I mean, I don't know, are women told that much about how important their relationship is now? I, I know when I had my first child, who's mm. older than you, um, there was all this information in the weekly magazines. There was nothing about how to mother, but there was, you know, apart from knitting patterns or something mm. like that. But there was, you know, you must look after your husband, you know, like as though he's another child in the family. Yeah. And you think, oh, for God's sake, he's off at playing basketball, you know, three or four nights a week training yeah. home with this baby. What the hell am I supposed to do? Put him yeah. on some kind of pedestal, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's not so much the, the guilt of, um, uh, you know, looking after my husband. My husband's very capable. He can look after himself. But in terms yeah. of like, you know, when we were uh, dating and we'd go out and we'd, you know, go for drinks and things like that and I'm just not that person anymore and I have a lot more anxiety as well and that's something I need to work on as well. I'm much more of an anxious person since having having Evie. So, you know, there is that worry that, that it do- will affect your relationship as well. Yeah, I, th- I mean, you obviously can't be as spontaneous. That's it. Unless no, logistically you can't. Logistically you can't. And yeah. you're not because you, you do have that mental load. So it is hard to be, you know, fun at the flick of a hat. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And well, I think that whole... goes on for years. Yeah. <laughs> well, until they can sort of be a bit more self-sufficient, yeah. they, they still need you to pack mm. snacks, pack, you know, a change of clothes and all yeah. this sort of stuff. Or they have to be in bed for school, you know, next day. Yeah. Or have they got their homework, you know, sorted? Or do I need to help with that? So you can't, yeah. you can't just drop everything. Most people no. can't. Yeah. So there's all that, that good mummy load. And it's no wonder the anxiety comes up because oh. you're running out, running on cortisol a lot of the time, aren't you, and adrenaline? Totally. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And do you think we talk enough about mental health with each other? Do you think we're open enough? Or do you think there's still that stigma around? I think, I think uh, we, we're definitely talking more about it. I think there's definitely things that we, you know, 
those those thoughts that maybe enter our head at three o'clock in the morning of you know, if if women have thought maybe my baby's better without me, maybe we don't talk about those things. Maybe those things are a bit feel a bit yucky to share still. And um, I think anxiety and depression are, are getting more airtime, and I think that's really great. But um, yeah, I think, don't, I think I don't think we hear as much about things like intrusive thoughts and like you say, my baby'd be better off without me. Which is a really yeah. serious, serious, serious red flag. Yes. Um, you know, that people aren't really going there because they've got this real fear of, well, you know, well, someone's judgment my baby or judgment. Yeah, yeah. You're not coping, yeah. that horrible word, yeah. coping. Mm. And the thing is as well, I think, I think there seems to be a, a bit of a currency of oversharing online and if I'm real and raw and vulnerable online, I'll get more followers. So don't, don't share just for the sake mm. of it or to get likes. I think if you really feel like you're, you're having a hard time or you're having some thoughts that are concerning you, I think the first group of people that you should be sharing that with are, you know, friends, family, a professional, before you feel pressure to, you know, start a conversation online. It's probably more important to have that conversation with your support network. Much more, much more. Yeah, absolutely, Mm. because they can actually help you. And they yes. need to be aware, you know, every, everyone in the family needs to be aware that you are struggling rather mm. than, you know, 500 people or 1,000 people sitting yeah. there crying on Instagram, for goodness sake. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that is really oversharing. Well, also, like, what's the psychology behind, oh, I'm starting to cry quickly, I'll just set up my phone and film myself. Like, to me, that just <gasps> seems really, there's just something a little bit insincere about that. I've, I'll never understand that. And yeah, No, I don't anyway. need that. No, I don't It just feels that, a little always, bit strange to me. Yeah, I, I always thought you won't see me crying on Instagram. If I'm going to no. cry, i in the shower. And whether that's my shame about crying, you know, you grow up being told the more you cry, the less you feel. People have bullied yeah. you for crying. But, you know, I actually don't think that's, yeah, like you say, I, I never really thought of it in that context. Like, yes, I'm upset, so I'm going to grab the phone and share with everybody. That's just weird. Go to your partner and get a hug. Yeah, or just have your moment to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, and that's just where I feel like sometimes with social media, there's this people think that being raw and real and vulnerable and and sharing everything Mm. is, is really great. And you actually don't owe anybody that. And if you don't want to share or talk about it online, you don't have to. Mm, um yes and I think I think we need to check ourselves that if you start crying and your first instinct is to put your phone on selfie mode and film yourself like why is that Australia's leading retailer of gorgeous modern cloth nappies designer bums embraces the mindful parenting practice of being gentle on the earth while still being the leader in stylish designer cloth nappies and parenting essentials. Featuring organic and premium fabrics, the exclusive signature artwork and thoughtful touches provide the best in design while being versatile, unique and sustainable. Designer bum nappies are available in three sizes. One size fits most supports families from birth to toilet training. Littles are a newborn option for premature and smaller babies 
and largest provide support for those taking a little longer to toilet train or overnight use. All of these reusable nappies come with premium custom-milled bamboo inserts and a water-resistant outer shell that features unique and exclusive artist designs. This is everything you need to take your little one through to toilet training. Designer bums take the guesswork out of it for you with their easy-to-use nappies and handy FAQ. Enjoy Designer Bum's range of luxurious modern cloth nappies, bags, bedding, bibs, playmats, and so much. And get a generous 25% discount off the full range. That's a sponsor discount for this podcast tips up. Check out the full range, including all of their parenting essentials at www.designerbums.com.au and use the code PINKY25, that's P-I-N-K-Y 25, to receive this generous 25% discount. This code entitles customers to 25% off until December the 31st, 2022. Can't be used in conjunction with any other offer and one use per customer. So go to www.designerbums.com.au, use the code PINKY25 and get this generous 25% discount. Or Actually, are you really, really genuinely point. crying? Are you upset? Really yeah. upset? Yeah. 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 Because I feel like in those moments of real emotional turmoil, you're probably not thinking about, oh, here's some content for social media. <laughs> like no, I mean, it's not really funny, but it did make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's no, just, it's it doesn't. Sad. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, all those followers, what does it matter? That, you know, yeah. that, what does it matter? You know, it doesn't matter. We don't need, you know, 2 million followers. It's, yeah. It's all no, just, I mean, for me, it's, it's care yeah. about you. Mm. For me, yeah. And I mean, I have developed some really great connections and friendships. And um, yeah, I have lots of conversations, as I said, with people I've never met. I probably will never meet them, but I know lots about their kids and they know lots about my life. And for me, like, yes, social media pays some of my bills, but it mm. um, is really important to me that I do have those, like, connections with people as well. Which is actually a more authentic type of social media following anyway. Mm. Than someone yeah. who's just come to watch, I don't know, to watch you really open the gates to all your feelings. Yeah. I mean, I... I I, I have people that I follow. Yeah. There's I mean, I have people that I personal. follow. Yeah. yeah. I've got people that I follow and there's, there's, you know, I'd love to know more about the ins and outs of their life, but mm. I don't expect that from them when I go to their, their page. And if they do want to share something that's great and interesting or, you know, people might get something out of it. Um, and I think there is something to be said as well. Like if you're comfortable, sh- like I'm, really comfortable talking about my mental health. I'm really comfortable talking about a lot of things. So for me, opening up about that, you know, I do, there is a part of me that thinks, look, maybe this will encourage someone else to to Get think help. about getting some help or mm. so there's that element to it as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I guess there's private and there's personal and there's what you feel you're prepared to share and what you're comfortable sharing and 
you know, because, I mean, there are some beautiful postnatal depression um, accounts where people talk about it and women share their stories, but it's actually heartfelt and genuine mm. rather than someone being dramatic. I mean, it is dramatic yeah. and not well, but there are people being, yeah. you know, heartfelt and genuine and they're probably keeping something back until they feel better. But, yes, I think, you know, with the whole mental health thing, it's about supporting each other and it's fine to disclose, um, yeah, what's what's going on for you. That's fine. But I sometimes do think when that motivation to grab the phone when you're really upset yeah. is a little bit strange. But then mm. I guess everybody has their, you know, their whatevers. And we don't have to follow yeah. people doing that either. No, no. That's you the know, thing. We have a there is, you can very easily unfollow without leaving mm. a comment or a message. You know, you can just mm. or even just like mute the person if that if that feels yeah. too much for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, something that you have got that's really personal. You've had a pregnancy loss. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? I'm really sorry, but how are you getting through the grief of that? It's funny that you say this because my podcast that I just released today, I talk about this because I was actually meant to be giving birth this month. Um, and I have been doing these shows with One Fine Baby and I, I spoke about, you know, there's a very weird feeling of doing a live show at a baby fair when you're meant to be nine months pregnant. Um, there was a real sting to that and um you know as grateful as I was to be there and to be doing the shows it was still like in the back of my mind um that you know there should be an almost fully formed human in my belly and there's not um you're looking around at all these other people yeah yeah so that was um a little bit difficult um and again, like I, I said in, in my podcast today, you would look at my social media and it's very much a highlight reel at the moment of, you know, how great work's going, but behind the scenes, that's what I'm dealing with, that I'm meant to be due for a baby. Um, for me though, that I've, I've had that loss, um, which was a, a failed pregnancy. So I was about four or five weeks pregnant and it just wasn't progressing. Um, and then I've had two chemical pregnancies as well. Um, but the, the, the failed pregnancy was weird in, not weird, it was different in the fact that there was only one day where I had my positive pregnancy test and there was any hope. Um, th- and then once I had my first round of blood tests and ultrasounds, things looked bad straight away. So it wasn't as if I thought I was pregnant for two months and then lost the baby. I know that a loss at any time is a loss and it's completely valid. For me, only having one day where you've got that hope and that excitement made the grief a bit easier. Um, and I know that that might not be the case for other people who are desperately trying to have a baby um, because that one day would mean everything to them. For us, mm. it was it was an, uh, a bit of a shock that I was pregnant because I was actually on medication for endometriosis that was meant to act as a contraceptive. So it was a huge surprise. Um, but, yeah, there was there was a lot of guilt. Then there was guilt of losing a baby that we weren't even trying for. There was guilt for being sad about losing a baby that we weren't trying. There was just a whole range of, 
of emotions that um that I went through and there was also like because it was during COVID um the hospitals were only taking cases for DNCs that were the result of um like sexual assault so I actually had to go to an abortion (gasps) yeah like the the wait the wait time was ages so I actually ended up going to an abortion clinic or a fertility clinic or whatever they call them they don't call them abortion clinics um because I just didn't want to be pregnant anymore I I didn't want to feel pregnant when I knew that it wasn't going to end up in a baby um Mm. for me there was a huge psychological thing there because I actually felt sicker and more unwell and more pregnant in this pregnancy than I did with my daughter but the whole time I knew that it wasn't going to end up as a baby in a baby because the pregnancy was failing and I was just waiting to miscarry and I wasn't um so I took made the decision to end it as soon as possible so that I could start healing as soon as possible Mm. so yeah it was hard it was really hard and I posted about that because um I wanted women I wanted to remind women that you have a choice as well um you always have a choice and even though mine was a really difficult choice and it was awful going under that anesthetic knowing that I was ending it um you know, whether I went in and had that procedure or not, I was never going to have a baby. Mm. It was never going to yeah. happen. So you just have to take back what little power you have to make the right choice for you. And for me, the the priority was starting the healing as soon as possible, getting back to not feeling pregnant anymore so I could be the best mother to Evie possible. Um, yeah, that was really difficult. Mm, that sounds really, really hard. And the fact that, you know, that they were only taking sexual assault people. Yeah. I mean, I, that's yeah. That's pretty cruel, pretty hard. Yeah. It was awful. And look, I, I'm, there is a huge part of me that understands that their situation mm. is more dire than mine. I had totally. a, a full, you know, support network. My husband was completely supportive of whatever decision I made. I had my parents um, were really supportive, extended family and friends, really, you know, some women go into this and, yeah, it's the result of a sexual assault or whatever and they've got no one. So it's more important, yeah, that it's over for them quicker than it was for me. But yeah. um, the fact that it was like a month wait, it was like I just want this over with. I want it done. I want yeah. it I want it over because it was, it was, yeah, psychologically, and and women who have been through this will tell you it is horrific feeling pregnant knowing that you're not going to get your baby it mm. is awful um so yeah yeah so a big brave decision and how are you now i mean apart from yeah i mean obviously this month feels harder than every other month because it was all meant to happen this month mm. and there's been i think some more reminders of it but you know, I've I f- f- try to focus on my girl Evie now. She's almost three. I'm so lucky to have her. Um, and there are lots of amazing things going on in our lives. Um, so yeah, as awful as it was, there's you know lots of positive 
things going on in my life. And if we feel like it's right, we are going to try again. Um, if we feel like we want to in a few months time. Um, but there's part of me that almost doesn't want to, cause I don't want to have to go through that again. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of fear there. Um, like I, I commend, I just, I, the women and, and families who go through years of infertility and, and losses, like it's just the most incredible thing. I, I am an IVF baby and my mum had multiple miscarries and I, like after just that experience, I said to my mum, I don't know how you did it for so long. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah no, so. There's, there's a real incredible bravery around, you know, so many reproductive stuff around women that they mm. do yeah yeah but that that yearning for a child I know I, yeah I know what that feels like as well and not everyone's lucky enough mm. I, I do yeah, yeah yeah and I know that that is very little comfort to some people even if they do have a child after a loss but for me I did find comfort in that knowing that mm. I have my girl so I mean it's different for everyone yeah yeah where there's no right or wrong no, you can't, you can't say, you know, someone might have an early miscarriage and it's a blip on the radar. Someone else might have a later one. Someone else might have an early one and it's devastating to them. Yeah. What support, what did you find was helpful and what wasn't helpful? Um, I think people just acknowledging that it was awful um, mm. was really helpful. My husband, you know, was very supportive in in sort of because I would go back and forth of what I wanted to do um you know did I want to have the DNC did I want to just wait what you know and he was constant in his support of I will support you no matter what you decide and I think that is really important that you we all remember that it's the woman's body the woman's choice um what she feels is best Mm -hmm. what I didn't find helpful was um you know, oh, well, at least you can fall pregnant. Oh, well, um, you know, things that minimise the experience. Yeah. 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 And even if even if I've thought those things, I don't need someone else saying, oh, well, at least you've got a baby. Well, you know, like those things aren't helpful. I think just don't, don't come with little Band-Aids of, you know, oh, well, at least, oh, well, you've got this or, oh, well, you know, whatever. Yes. Just yep. coming to the woman and saying, I'm so sorry, this is shit. Is there anything I can do? That's enough. Yeah. You can't fix it for someone else. No. No. And I remember yeah. being and I know, yeah. bleeding with one of my daughters. You know, I, I kept threatening to miscarry. Um, in the end, I got a baby. But, you know, mm. I, I kept having these bleeds. And some woman said to me, oh, it must mean there's, some, well, actually more than one person, but I remember one woman in particular, oh, there must be something wrong with the baby, you know, and just go, I don't need to hear that. <gasps> yeah. Why would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, just- See, I was about to say these things come from a good place, but things like that, that's not coming from a good place. That's, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, but it's sort of really cruel, you know, like you're still yeah. pregnant, you're threatening to lose this baby and, you know, we don't know why. But, mm. you know, just go, I don't know, ride your bike and get rid of it because there might be something wrong with it, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, and just go, well, you know, we don't know. And there wasn't yeah. anything wrong. You know, I had a normal baby, but 
a healthy baby, I should say, not a normal. Yeah. What the hell's normal anyway? I mean, I very had a very, <laughs> very sick placenta, but I had a very healthy baby. And she was nine yeah. pounds in the end, but you know, I bled till oh, seven wow. months. So yeah, you know, just kept having these bleeds. And you know, the fact that, oh, there might be something wrong with your baby, or there must be no, there must be. That's what people said. And I go, just stop. Bugger off. If yeah. You know, I kind of figure if people aren't bringing you a casserole or offering to, yeah. <laughs> you know, come and clean your house for you. Definitely. Shut their mouths. <laughs> I yeah. agree. So where can people find more and follow you? I'm going to pop those links in the show notes. But I also yeah. want to mention you're going to be recording your podcast, It's All Her, live at the One Fine Baby Show in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And that's on the 17th and 18th of September. And it's a great so, show. Yeah. Thank you. We're, we're just recording on the 17th. So it's going to be 11.30 on the main stage on the 17th. Uh, and we have three amazing guests on the panel. We've got Lorinska, who people might know from Yummy Mummies on Channel 7. We've got Emma Vosti, who is a journalist and Channel 7 reporter uh, and a mum. And we've got uh, Nadia, who was on Maths, who has a bit of a fresher bub. So, yeah, we're going to be talking all things pregnancy, uh, birth, postpartum so yeah tickets are free it's a great great show and great excuse to come out and um get amongst people again yes yes I was at the last one and that was you know really interesting to see people out again but there were a lot more pregnant people than people little babies and I think I can understand people being wary about taking their little babies out to public events but it wasn't it was really well spaced out like you didn't have to be you could still social distance yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, well, you know, yeah. there was lots of people wearing masks. So if that makes you feel more comfortable, obviously, yeah, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. Oh, was that in Sydney? I didn't feel many, yeah. see many people with masks in Melbourne when we did it. Yeah. But I yeah, had there was my a mask few in on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had some personal, you know, I've got an autoimmune disorder and I had some heart surgery. Yeah. Okay. Call, so I just thought I'm wearing my mask. You know, that's yeah. fine. So if you, if you feel a bit funny about putting a mask on, I'll have my mask on. <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah, but it would be great of, to see you in there. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun and there's lots of specials, you know, preparing for your baby and all those sorts of things, which are great. You know, we're, we're having yeah. actually the booby foods stand there and there's lots of yeah, amazing things to sample and get a free Bicky and, um, yeah, all sorts of great things. And, um, yeah, so the links will be in the show notes for that. But now what about your personal links, your Instagram, your website? Yeah, so people can uh, find me, Geordie Lucas, on uh, Instagram or just search It's All Her um, and we're on, you know, Spotify, Apple, all the major podcast platforms. Um, yeah, so Geordie Lucas or It's All Her. Great. And we'll put those in the show notes so people can, you know, just come over and have a look at the show notes yeah. and just listen to this <laughs> and click through while you're listening and have a look at these um, great bits and pieces. Now, I always finish up by asking everybody something really mm-hmm. personal because we all have bad or silly or funny moments where we've stuffed up and it doesn't make us bad mothers. You know, bad moment doesn't yeah. make you a bad mother. But can you share a tits up moment from your own mothering experience? Oh, I think one of the, when my, when my girl was a newborn, I think using my boob as a dummy was probably the worst uh, thing. It led to a lot of uh, spews on her part. 
um, learn. I think, yeah, using my boob as a dummy was not the uh, the best decision because I ended up with a very boob dependent baby, which is not the worst thing. Um, no, not at but, all. <laughs> oh, I, I look back now and I think, oh my god, Jordy, she really probably didn't need your boob that much. Um, uh, what else? Um, you know what happened the other day and this is a really actually important reminder is checking um constantly what your kids can reach um because I had used nail polish remover and put it up on a bench that I thought Evie couldn't reach um and turns out she's had a growth spurt and she can reach it and I hadn't put the lid on properly um, and she came into me and said, "Mummy, this tastes yucky." Oh, and of course, my scary. yeah, my stomach just dropped. Um, thankfully, she hadn't drunk it, and um, she had just put it in her mouth, and she hadn't drunk it. And I called the poisons line, and we worked out that she wouldn't have ingested enough to make her sick, and she wasn't sick, and you know. But I felt like the worst mum in the world, and so. You know, just things like that that make you think, oh, my God, like you just have to constantly be on your toes. So, yeah, that was a huge um, thing where I felt really guilty. But you're not constantly thinking, oh, my kid's grown. Could they reach? Like life happens Mm. and you don't necessarily think of all these things. So, yeah, that's probably a really big reminder of, yeah, yeah, work reassess what how tall your child is (laughs) and um, work out accordingly. You know, the, oh, door, the door handle. handle. Yeah. Especially if you're yeah. in an apartment and you've got a balcony or something like that. You know, the door handle is well, we yeah. had to put a um we had to put a chain lock on our front door because our front door is one of those doors that you can just unlock by sort of pulling it down. And I the a few months ago, I said, Oh, Evie, where are you going? And she had the dog and she was like, We're going to the park, and she had just <gasps> went. And I was like, I called my husband. I was like, we need to put a chain lock on the door because she can now, she now thinks she can just open the door and take Bailey, our dog, to the park. So, yeah, there's lots of things (laughs) that they definitely keep you on your toes. You know, we had a chain lock too. Yeah. 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 And one one house we didn't and the kids escaped and I was just in the bathroom, you know, and came out and my two boys, you know, the four-year-old had taken that, well, the three-and-a-half-year-old had taken the 18-month-old for a walk and do I go right where the creek is or do I go left? And they've gone oh through the other way into the back street and a neighbour actually, well, I didn't know this lady, but she found them, you know, hand in hand, wandering. I was Having a them, great time. I yeah. was taking him to see where Darren's daddy parks his truck. You know, this is two blocks away, Darren's daddy parked his truck. Yeah. But we'd obviously, done, you know, talked about it on a walk. So the half-year-old thought he'd take his little brother for a walk. <laughs> And they can get ahead of you just so quickly. Like so many mishaps happen and the mother's right there mm. anyway. She hasn't, yeah, you know, run off to have a nap somewhere. She's right there. No, yeah, <laughs> yes, definitely. Gosh. Mm. Yeah. And look, nail polish remover probably smells so bad, nobody would take a sip of it. If they did, they'd spit yeah, it out. Yeah, well, I he reckon. said, I mean, yeah, he said that with um, nail polish remover, they have to have about two mils for every kilo that they are for it to oh, make them right. Sick. And yeah. so 
he was like, do you think she, because she, it's Evie's 17 kilos, he was like, do you think she would have had 34 mils? And I was like, no, there's no way. The bottle's not even holding that much. Yeah, it? like, yeah. It, no. And for, for her to say it was yucky, like, do you really, like, yeah. it wasn't on her breath either. So I was, he was like, look, just watch her. But if you really don't think she's had 34 mils, she's probably going to be okay. But. Yeah, even that advice, still always call the poison line. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can give you the, the straight-up advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely um, went around and reassessed where everything was in the house after that. <sighs> yep. Mental load, <laughs> yeah. mental load. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, so finally, what's your best tip for our listeners on how to be the mother you want to be? Oh. <sighs> think just go with your gut and you know have a think about the kind of mum you want to be and what's important to you and I always think how do I want Evie to remember me when she's looking back on her childhood how does she want to remember what mum was like so and I really stick to that and that's hard to do in the beginning when you've got all that advice Mm. um but yeah do your research read up on things read read all of the books and you know if that's what you want to do and and then pick and choose the bits that work for you you don't have to subscribe to everything every one expert says you can take bits and pieces that feel good for you and and yeah you'll know if something's right for you and your baby I think and just stick with that yeah yeah and I always think if you're feeling confused about what's right you know if there's something that's you're thinking is it isn't it I would say you know just filter it by saying is it safe is it yeah. respectful and does it feel right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it still yeah. comes back to does it feel right? But I love that, you know, that how do you want your child to remember you? I think that's Yeah, beautiful. yeah, yeah. So, really, you know, no one's perfect, but, yeah, as long as we're trying our best and I think our kids will see that and remember that as well. So I think they know that, you know. that. Yeah, they, definitely. They know that you're coming from the best that you know. Nobody, nobody ever Decides I'm going to be a crap mother. No. <laughs> Tucked at his no. chin, I'm going to be a crap mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Geordie. Tits up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to Elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.